Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. Hey everybody, how's it going? How's it going? Hopefully you're having a good morning so far. Thank you for coming out. If you are getting lunch, wait and come sit down and learn how to make more money. My name's Scott Clary. Uh, I'm the host of the Success Story podcast, uh, but more to the sales credentials, my backgrounds in sales and marketing. I've led sales at two companies that have been acquired and I'm currently CEO of a CPG company. And Donald, go. My name is Donald C. Kelly, the sales evangelist. I have a sales podcast. You should, work, you should subscribe as well as you should connect with me on LinkedIn. We have a sales consulting firm out of South Florida and we train teams, help them to three to five X their sales pipeline and help them to close, double their close rate. And we just love talking all things sales. Um, started off as a software sales rep, started a pod, was being very successful as a sales rep and people liked what I was sharing. A couple years later, it made sense to develop our business and uh, now we work with teams across the globe and even in Spanish as well. I love that. <laughs> um, so we're here to talk about sales because, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of conversations about sales over these past three days, but if you go into your inbox right now or you go into your LinkedIn DMs, you can see why we still have to have conversations about sales because yes. you're still getting walls of text everywhere and you know that's not how you sell. So you work with a lot of businesses. You work with way more businesses than I do right now, like sort of optimizing their sales. What do you see that's working? What do you see that's not working? Yeah, let's start off with not working right now. How many of you in sales right now? Sales position, direct sales, some sort? How many of you here are taking information back to your sales team? How many are here because it's a good spot to get some work done? <laughs> All right, cool, that's fine. I did that yesterday. So here's what I see with a lot of the teams that we're working with is that email is the go-to thing for 99% of BDRs. LinkedIn had a stat and the stat that they shared was that since the pandemic, email outreach has gone up by 50% by 50%, 50% more email since the pandemic. Reply rates to email has decreased by 30%. So these are sales outreach email. The point we're trying to get at is that the inbox, everyone just feels we need to push more emails or we're gonna do more canned emails. We don't want dumb canned emails anymore. And I think most people have recognized that. The other thing that we're seeing, yes, you're looking, you should come sit, come sit, yes, thank you, both of you. Cold outreach and cold calls, I'm a big fan of doing cold outreach. Doing it improper causes problems and causes a, de a degradation of the brand and also the seller. So that's, uh, that's problematic. So most people right now, they're throwing their hands up in the air and saying, what is going to work? What is gonna get me those appointments? And it's not just more tech tools. I love all of these tools, but it's not just more tools. There's gotta be a strategy that you gotta implement. And it's not more. More doesn't necessarily equals more appointment. It's gotta be strategic. So those are some of the big problems that I'm seeing when I'm working with folks. Why do you think there was a 50% uptick in emails? Is it because we're not sitting, like during COVID, no one's yep. sitting down for meetings anymore. We all have Zoom fatigue. So we're just defaulting to what we know, but we're just doing it at scale. And then it's, it's just invasive. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's like, um, it was very, it's very easy to send an email um, as opposed to doing the phone call. And it was harder to do phone calls in the pandemic. Like if you didn't have direct dials or people are not in the office, you can't really call them. So it was very like, let's go back to email. And then we just, I think we just fell back to what was easier. Mm -hmm. And LinkedIn though, like doing social was a huge component for us and it still is 
when it comes to engaging. And we're going to talk about some of that when it comes to selling our product. But importantly to understand is just that easier doesn't always make, doesn't always make it that's the best thing to do. And I think for most BDRs and more, most sales team, it's very easy to track and see how many emails output that we've put and then to judge on activity rather than on meaningful outreach. I love that. I think that even four years ago, there's things about LinkedIn that we were speaking about, and I know that's sort of what you focus on now. Yep. You focus on, I guess, the buzzword would be social selling, which has been around for a minute now, and even when I sort of more focused on creating content about social selling, about outreach, about outbound, like this was still something that people were trying to figure out. How do I build a brand for my company? How do I build a brand for myself as an individual yeah. sales rep? How do I use LinkedIn as not just this other email platform, but how do I create you know, my header and my info and my about and turn my LinkedIn profile basically into a resume or a landing page that allows people to see what I'm doing, see what my company is about, and hopefully increase the chances of me converting or ch chance of them converting into a customer. So this was, these were things we were talking about four years ago, but very few industries adopted this. And I actually think that we're very fortunate to be at Inbound because everybody here is very forward thinking. And everybody here is probably part of a company that focuses on building a really strong brand yes. and focuses on evangelism to your podcast name and focuses on putting themselves out there in a really meaningful way. But there's a lot of industries that still don't do it because a lot of the people that potentially are buying your products or services don't quite get it. And a lot of the people that are not at a software marketing conference that is sort of like on the bleeding edge of marketing, yeah. they, don't, they don't evangelize. They don't put themselves out there. So let's walk through. We know it's bad. Yeah. Doing more email is not the best way to sell. What is the best way to sell in 2023? Because I think it's still what we could have been doing four years ago, but we're yeah. not doing it yet. So um, I want to toss that one back to you. And, and talk, well, we can come back to what yeah. you're, you know, I can lead it, but I, I feel like you have some really good points that can volley it. The thing, I'll tell you what's working for me in my business, and then we could come back and answer that question if that's cool. For us, and this is Scott's point, you're going to go deeper into this, so I'll, I'll volley it for you. I literally started a podcast in 2013. 2013, I started a podcast as an opportunity to cheat. Straight up. And the way that I cheated with the podcast was I got a chance to interview like folks like Jeffrey Gittimer and get free sales coaching for 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And I didn't have to pay a couple grand. It was great. And I was able to share what was working for me. And then the plus side, I discovered this by accident. If I started interview people who were my potential customers, that could give me a good opportunity. Fast forward because of that brand that started it gave it a very easy opportunity for people to reach out to me and ask about my services and the business developed. And again, by two years, we're uh, partnering with companies like Prezi and so forth and mentioned in a couple magazines. What I'm getting at that's working these days is that your BDRs, your individual BDRs, your individual sales rep, you need to be a content machine in the sense that you're sharing stuff that's relevant. We have a three-step concept that we use on LinkedIn. All of our campaigns, when we do outreach, our cold outreach starts with the LinkedIn. And we call it connect, share, and engage. Connect, share, and engage. Pop question. What percentage of LinkedIn users do you feel post content monthly? Some of you may notice that. 5%, 50%, just five? Five. Can I get six? Do I get six? 1%, I got 1%, do I get five? 10%, 10%, 10%. <laughs> It was 2% a year ago, so it's around 3% of LinkedIn users actually share content. 2% of LinkedIn users sharing content. What we go back to is connect. So my BDRs, we have a focus list that we work on. Everyone has like about 20 accounts that they focus on for like a month or a 45 day period. They do personal connection to those individuals or to our ICP. We use Navigator and we identify people that are new to their roles or who are um, using tech that we you know, feel is our part of our ICP. Then what we do is we connect with them, we share relevant content and engage with them. All of that before a first email gets to that e the inbox. So then go back to what you're saying, what's working for us and what we see that works is for us to start sharing, connecting, engaging on social and sharing relevant content, it makes it so much easier for our emails to outreach, to open. 
just a point, the whole, the whole title of this session is like how to sell out a product and we were playing around with the name of it, you know, how to or sell service. out a product in a recession, whatever the, the name of it is. But the point is, the fundamentals of sales do not change. So good quality outbound still matters, but what we're saying is you have to layer on different components to that, different content components, different trust building components. I mean, I'm sure many of you know the stats, 70, 80, 90%, depending on the data source, of the information that the buyer is going to research is going to be done before they even engage with an SDR, BDR, anybody from the organization. So social selling is like, and, and LinkedIn and what Donald's discussing is the first step of shaping the narrative around your brand and not just leaving it to chance. This is step one. And this is, again, this is how I feel everybody in every industry will eventually have to sell. It's just, especially in this room, if you're not social selling, if you're not optimizing your LinkedIn strategy and you're just doing what, you know, let's pick a, a more legacy industry is doing, uh, you're going to be left behind much quicker. Yeah. So this is sort of the first step of social selling. So you combine outbound, traditional outbound email plus targeting the same people. You're looking for intent. You're looking for if they're the right buyer, ICP, BP, so ideal customer profile, buyer persona, all that regular stuff. And then you run LinkedIn campaigns against the same people that you're running email to. Um, and then let's just talk about, we know the strategy, what do we actually put in those messages yep. so that uh, they actually land and they're well received and they prompt action. Because even the first thing I said was, how many people open up their LinkedIn right now? You see a three paragraph cold outreach, nobody's answering that. So how do we get that answer? Yeah, so the first part that we go back to is the connection request. If any of you send that dumb LinkedIn automated connection request, I would like to add you to my network, or I see that we have mutual friends. It's garbage. Human beings, like you're talking to humans, and I really, I know this is getting overplayed, but like, let me tell you, um, ma'am, where are you from? Where? Los Angeles? Boston. Boston, she's yeah. Boston, perfect. So on her LinkedIn, it tells where she is from, right? I look for several different things that I can do. I'm not going to look and see what college she went to. 90% of the chance we didn't go to the same college or the mutual connection, that's garbage. So what I do, I try to find something that's going to trigger her. I'm only connecting with people that are active on LinkedIn. So on the spotlight feature in Sales Navigator, you're welcome. That's going to be your best friend. See if people who are active on the platform and also for us, sales leaders who are new in their roles. So those two triggers kick us off. So now. Active on a platform means she may have posted within the past 30 days. So I look and see if the post that she shared was relevant. But let's say she's from Boston. So I'll say something like, I'm going to make up your name. You look like uh, Mary. So, um, yeah? <laughs> no. All right. So Mary, Mary, I start off with that. Mary, um, I need your help settling a debate. Is XYZ or XYZ the best place to get clam chowder in Boston? P.S. Permission to connect here on LinkedIn. The only reason I'm doing this again, I know she's active on a platform, so it's gonna be a high possibility. And then I also find the best restaurants. When I connect with people in Philly, I do Gino's or um, what you call it? I don't know Philly. The man. other uh, Philly's cheesesteak stand. But anyways, okay. we do that. So you can search for restaurants or attraction. People in Miami, I might say, hey, I need you to settle an office debate here. Which is the best place to get a Cuban coffee in Miami? P.S. Permission to connect here on LinkedIn. But it starts conversations. And it's easy to get started with. So you can find different plays. That's just one of the ones that we run with. But all of those things start a different conversation that you can trigger off. Now that we have the conversation, I don't pitch from, um, on the platform, but I just start talking to them about that. And then I send them a video. The best thing that LinkedIn has done is to give us the opportunity to show our humana humanity. So you can either do the voice message on the app or a video on the app. So I take a video and I say, hey, Mary, thanks for settling that debate. I appreciate you. Um, I look forward to seeing what you're posting here. Um, and next time I'm in Boston, I'm going to tell them that you recommended me. See ya. But then now it's like this dude that I just got a chance to connect with that actually is a human being. Now when I do, so that's my connecting. When we do kick, kick off the email side, my personalized email to her subject line is going to be um, whatever spot she said, clam chowder dude, dot, dot, dot. And now she's going to guarantee open that email and is going to interact and engage because I started some kind of interaction on uh, off platform and then I'm connecting my, I guess, continuing the story 
with my email. Sorry, it went off for a no, minute. No, no, you're good. It's, it's, it's really important to drive home in the world of endless automation and endless leverage and how many sessions were about AI. It's always about how do we do more, how do we do more, how do we become more efficient. When you're selling, it's still a human-to-human -human transaction, interaction, and what Donald's saying, he has one strategy on how to guarantee that the person on the receiving end of that message knows that it's not just another robot. Now, AI gives us some advantage because now we can use generative chat to customize, but I still don't just let AI fly without any sort of human yeah. oversight. But if you don't even want to try AI in your sales outreach and you don't want to go down that pathway, like go to their Twitter, go to, go to their Instagram, don't be creepy, but like just find something relevant or something that humanizes you. The yeah. video is a good one as well. So now you have this hyper-personalized outreach that, again... I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show, and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money, and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins, and I've been there, juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, 
drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive, and I bet you we've all been there, and maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. You also want to be wary of the fact that you only have so many hours in a day. So one thing that I've done, and I think that most people do this to some degree, is like a highest profile targets. It's called like a one to few, one to many strategy. Yep. And when you're targeting one to few, that's the people that like exactly match your ICP and your buyer persona with intent to buy. Those are the people that you actually customize everything. And it's like a labor intensive process of reaching yep. out to them because they have the highest chance of buying. Uh, and then you can also do one to many, which is more automated but I know you do these automated campaigns that still have a level of personalization. You don't just uh, send videos to everyone, but you still, I know that you do, so maybe explain that, how you still include personalization in your automation to the masses. Yeah, I focus on the role. Yeah. Because let's say uh, a VP of sale, they're gonna have the same problem typically in the industries that we're going after. Um, It's gonna be the same thing. So what we wanna do though, we wanna find those VPs of sales that are gonna be active, um, on the platform, VPs of sales that are, you know, like some of the other triggers, like if their temp company is hiring, um, and if I see that their BDRs are on social or on LinkedIn, like those are some of the things. I know their problems are going to be the similar things that we're, that we're going to find. And then if I can start off that personal connection, then I can kick off an automated campaign to all of those people. And I do use some of the different automated tools out there, but it's not, it's not a, at that point, those, ca- those campaigns are really, really hyper-focused on the problems you're facing. And now I have relevancy because of my LinkedIn um, relationship with you. But there's two that. forms of relevancy that we look at. I think that key, that's the word that I have coined as our word for 2023 and 2024. Relevancy, relevancy, relevancy. Because sometimes I get email that though I'm the owner of the business, it's not relevant to me to solve, that, that pain doesn't, I don't touch that pain, yeah. or it doesn't impact me. And then also relevancy to sometimes people will just send out me a message, but does that really, do I really have pain to that? And that's where your triggers and the, uh, the behaviors, the intent can help us to make sure that our, not only our message is relevant, but to the individual that is relevant. 
Um, and then that allows me to open that email or go deeper to book an appointment with a sales rep. Do you want to talk about content? Let's start talk, content. Let's talk about content. Let's talk okay. content. So basically both of our theses, theses <laughs> on, on sales is we have to have the outbound nailed down. So we have the personalization in the outbound. But something that has been hyper important to both of us and both of our successes is creating really strong content marketing strategies for businesses. And I feel like, again, most people in this room, they have brands that create really good content, but we're not just speaking to people in this room, we're speaking to legacy industries, we're speaking to the boring businesses, quote unquote, that don't get content. One so let me, let me paint a picture. My background is in sales, very much aligned with how you run your outbound. Um, I created a podcast, you created a podcast, and we all sort of figured out this content marketing play. Why I understood how powerful content was is my better half sitting in the first row when we started dating, she runs one of the largest Instagram meme accounts in the world. It's 8.2 million followers, it's my therapist says, we'll give her a follow. But she <laughs> built this brand with her two other sisters and a best friend from scratch, and they do deals with Netflix, with Gucci, with Sony, with Airbnb, with Hinge, with uh, hefty, you know, the garbage bags, like they do deals with everybody. They have never sent an outbound message in their eight year history. It has been entirely inbound. And these are not small RFPs. These are 100,000, 200,000 plus dollar RFPs for brands who want to get access to their audience. So how do we combine these two worlds, right? You're thinking about, I have a strong outbound team. This is how most businesses are built. They're doing outbound sales. But now the future of sales is not just outbound. You call it whatever you want. It could be inbound. It could be demand generation. HubSpot does this incredibly well. They built out their, their basically their company on SEO yeah. blogs. And then that dovetailed into the podcast network and the creator network that they're building out right now because they get the value of content. And like, let's look at how HubSpot's doing. Not so bad, right? So your business has to figure out a content strategy. I've built out a podcast that is a strong content strategy for my personal brand. You've built out one for yourself. When you think about content, you want to... The, the question that usually comes up is, I don't know how to figure out the ROI yeah. of content. That's the biggest issue that people have. I think the issue is that you're tying ROI to content too early in your content creation cycle. If you look at, let's look at um, uh, Casamigos with George Clooney. Let's look at all the Kardashians. Let's look at how fast Alex from Mosey became uh, a household name and now turned his content machine into a top of funnel for basically like uh, a private equity slash VC fund. So content works, it's just a matter of are you measuring whether or not the content is good? And that measurement it originally was like likes and comments, but now it's the shares and the saves. And is this content resonating with an audience? And is that audience then pushing it out to their peers? And then when that happens, then you, you will not immediately recognize the ROI. But what will happen is you're going to tap into something called dark social or dark, yeah. dark channels. What this is, is when in a company Slack, I get uh, a, a basically a link to a company's Instagram. As, as the VP of sales for that company who put that Instagram out there, I don't know that that's, that was shared in a company Slack, but that's creating social proof. And if we know how sales works for some enterprise deals, it's seven to 15 different touch points before somebody trusts your company enough to buy. And what this dark social, as well as social we can actually measure is doing, is it's adding on to those touch points. And then all of a sudden, when they speak to an SDR, BDR that hits them outbound, all of a sudden they've learned about your company, they've seen your company everywhere, they've seen some of your content go viral, they know what your company's about, they've seen you on YouTube, they are subscribed to your newsletter. How much easier is it for an SDR, BDR to sell? Way easy. So let's talk about even how you built out your podcast and, and some of the strategies in your, your content strategy. And yeah. I can talk about mine after, but go for it. Yeah, and I, I just want to aim at everything that Scott shared there. If you think about this again, your content, and, I, and it's the word, it just feels like sometimes, you know, we might, we, we, we just say, hey, it's content, but it's edutaining, right? You really have to edutain. Like, you need to make sure whatever you're sharing is impressive enough that it grabs my attention, but it also entertains me enough that I'm going to continue to listen or continue to watch. So with our strategy, what we decided to do was we look at what were, like when I first started a podcast, I asked people who were following, listening to the show, I said, go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn. Everyone that connected with me on LinkedIn, what I would do with them, I'll give them a shout out in an episode. So I might say my friend Mary here from Boston, 
I'll say big shout out to Mary from Boston or whatnot. And I spent like just like a, you know, five, 10 seconds, you know, what, like first 15, 20 seconds as I do my intro and blah, 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 and do that. But people felt like they were engaged with me. What I'm getting back to here, then I should ask the Marys of the world, now my DMs with her, what are the biggest challenges you're facing? What are some of the topics? I want to get some content for our podcast. Whatever Mary was facing is the same things that she was going to, her teammates were facing. So then we started really, really focusing our content around the problems of our ICP, what the sales reps and the sales leaders were That's facing. That's that pillar content. Yeah. That, that 30 to 60 minute podcast, audio, video that then turns into, it's like, that's the, the Gary V content strategy. That's yeah. where you take that one piece that goes everywhere. Literally, yeah. everything else can come from that. But the, the, the idea though that we felt, that we saw, and we fell on this all by accident, was that we needed to make sure that we were visible. Like the visibility was just absolutely critical. Um, I ran into a gentleman last night over here. I was walking to, a di to get dinner, um, and I, you didn't know I was here, right? He had no clue, he thought I lived in Boston. So he's like, are you Donald Kelly? And I was on the phone with my wife, and she was like, oh, brother, you think you're all cool. But this guy recognized me and recognized our brand from a podcast or somebody else shared with him. The, co the point is, like, because of that type of um, that idea, I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years, but you don't have to be doing it for that long. The concept, though, is that you need to make sure your brand is visible and that you have enough things that people can relate to before you actually start doing the outreach to them. Even with what we we're talking about with social, with, like, the BDRs, if we're doing engagement activities prior to us sending that first email, there's a way higher chance. And what we're talking about, share content, engage, and then the email, it's gonna be money in the bank all day long. I'll give you a case study sure. of uh, a legacy company, and I, I can't name the company, but I can name what they do and how we're working with them. Um, so it's, it's an accessibility company, and they create ramps. And they have super strong outbound, they have a great partner and affiliate channel, and what they're struggling with is it's, it's a race to the bottom because the product they create made in the USA, if you go to China, it's like half the price or a third of the price, right? So how do we differentiate ourselves when our outbound works and our partner channels work and we're on Amazon and we're in Lowe's and we're in Home Depot? So what they're doing is they're creating uh, uh, basically this full stack content strategy. So the pillar content is gonna be founder origin story plus interviews with industry leaders. That's the pillar content. As long as the pillar content is answering questions that the potential buyer could have and is on point with the subject matter, then all the derivative content is also gonna work out. So you record audio, video, podcast. Uh, you can transcribe it with like an otter.ai or any transcription tools. Turn that into a newsletter. Turn it into a blog on your website. Uh, you take short little quotes from that, goes out on Twitter. You take, uh, obviously it's the video X. goes it's on X. YouTube. You gotta get it right. What? It's X, not Twitter. Oh, it's X, sorry. <laughs> My bad, on X. <laughs> And then you've got <laughs> these 30 to 60 second clips that go up on all your social. And again, concern is where's the ROI? You see the ROI over a period of time. So I think the goal should really be how do we create content that's shared, that's saved, and also drive the cost of creating that content down, which is why these pillar content strategies that have all these derivative pieces, it's a really cost efficient way to create content because it doesn't require ideation of every single piece, which yeah. is probably what most of these businesses are doing anyways already right now. So you have all these pieces that stem from this pillar piece and that's what's gonna differentiate them. And simultaneously to telling these stories, interviews and founder story, we're also collaborating with influencers in the space. I mean, if you wanna go even deeper, you can look at trending viral uh, content in whatever industry niche that you're in, on TikTok, on Twitter, you can stitch or remix with these creators. So once somebody who creates viral content on Twitter, uh, on, on TikTok or Instagram, once they upload it, you can see what's viral, you can remix it and you can add your own context, your own insight. You've seen these types of videos where somebody like green screens them over a viral video. You already know it's gonna go viral and you're perfectly able to do that. So there's these content strategies that really differentiate you. When somebody looks up accessibility ramps, you're gonna be, I promise you, the only person that ranks on Google and shows up on YouTube and shows up on Twitter and shows up on uh, Instagram and shows up on TikTok. So start now, especially in some industries that are not as forward thinking in terms of their marketing and you can really benefit. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a low hanging fruit right there, especially in those non-sexy industries, right? It's because uh, nobody else is doing it. Um, yeah. In order to be successful, do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. And I, I, I and go back to what you're sharing um, with this idea. If you're talking about execution now, how do we make sure this happens? I can't just tell my sales rep to just quit and start doing content. It really becomes down to, your, to a, a collective effort 
from your from marketing and from sales. So maybe CRO maybe leading an initiative like this. But we got to make sure. I don't know if anyone went to Sem's rush uh, session yesterday. Um, the CMO when they were talking about was just like humanizing of how they're doing their content, their paid content, and also their organic content. It really just needs to come back down to those stories. And um, if I can, and, and if you think about that, as a marketing team, don't send those to your sales team, your sales reps, and say, hey, just take this now and reshare it. Like a sales rep can create a really meaningful post on LinkedIn relative to a video if it speaks to the pain or relative to uh, a blog, you know, speaking to that pain. But then that individual sales rep becomes to build their own authority in the niche that you're already capitalizing with your content. Yeah. And it makes it so much more easier to sell your products and your services. I think that's actually a really good segue into a point you brought up, which is the evolution of the sales rep. What is a sales rep? What is the relationship with the customer? Uh, back when I was still in tech, we had you know, inside, outside, BDR, account executive. That was like, you know, the, the what is it, the, the setter and spiker model, whatever yeah. it is, that's how everybody operated. But Donald brought up a really good point about not only having a sales rep evolve into a content creator, brand evangelist, so it's not just a celebrity CEO, it's a celebrity individual in the company now. And there's a couple of people, if you go on LinkedIn, you will find people that do this, yep. and I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but if you go on LinkedIn, the people that show up again and again and again, some of them are working for companies, and not only are their own careers accelerating, but they're driving business because they show up all the time. They're asked to speak, their posts go viral. So you see these people, and I'm saying that people in every organization should think about doing this and enabling their sales force to do this, and not yeah. just enabling through like saying like, this is how you do it, and maybe training them on how to create good content, but also giving them the psychological safety to engage in content creation because I think that there's some apprehension. If I'm working for a company where no one else is doing it and I yeah. put myself out there, am I going to get you know, chastised by the CEO? Are they going to be upset for building a personal brand? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about them building a personal brand. It's going to be to the net benefit of the company. And if they leave, that's fine because you have a process and SOPs in place for turning people in your company into brand evangelists. <laughs> but you, sa you said a really good point about the evolving role of the sales reps. We're talking about evolving into a content creator, but also let's talk about evolving in terms of not just SDR, BDR, AE, but full cycle. Why are yeah. you, I guess for lack of a better word, bullish on full cycle sales reps? Yeah, I was a full cycle sales rep and then we saw the, de the, the decline of the full cycle sales rep. But go back to what we started talking about, the relationship. The relationship, the relationship, the humanization. It's very, very easy in some of our processes to push the BDR out the gate. Let's say how long does it take for BDR to land an appointment with a cold prospect? Maybe it's gonna take, could be take like three months, could take a couple months. But then think about that. I now have been chasing you, I'm asking you about clam chowder in Boston and all of these things and we build this relationship. And I was like, hey, let me go ahead and connect you with Scott and Donald doesn't exist anymore. He's gone, it's, he's gone forever. You never, never hear from him again. It's well, just how sales relationships work, Yeah, which is not good. But when you have like a, the, the rise of the full cycle, people want that, I've found that people want that continuity and you don't have to necessarily, I'm not saying get rid of your BDRs, but having that person that's be able to engage in that process and have the BDR more engaged rather than just a handoff and fall away, but being able to still have that presence with it, I think there's a big notion for that. And buyers don't want to, like, I, I, we, most companies understand the playbook. Every last one of you have a sales team. You have the playbook where you have SDR, BDRs, you have your AEs. We know what's going to happen already. Change it up a little bit. Don't necessarily just follow the same plays. Give them something different. Make it a little more of a humanistic opportunity for that person. And I think that makes a big difference. I think it's about, I think it's about not over-optimizing everything to the nth degree and always focusing on a human-first, human-centric approach. Yep. This is not going to work for every organization. But also, sometimes, you know, saying this is the way we've always done it is like the death of a company. So I really do believe that as VP sales, CRO, CMO, CEO, whatever it is, Build feedback loops. Yeah. Engage with that sales force. Like, be boots on the ground. Go on ride-alongs if those are still a thing in a post-COVID <laughs> world. Jump on Zoom calls. Like, you want to engage and you want those feedback loops so that you understand and test this out. Because, yeah. like, everything else, it's so funny. In the marketing world, we A-B test, like, everything. We A-B test everything. And very rarely do we A-B test how our sales org is set up because it's scary to touch. And you don't have to revamp the whole thing, but we're just saying, if you don't evolve, Sometimes you die, so you have to try and evolve and, and, and 
maybe look at other opportunities that haven't been explored in your organization if things are not working the way that, they, that you want them to. Scott, I know we, uh, we, uh, we had a couple of questions. questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyone have any questions? Don't be shy. All right, we got a question. We got a couple oh, questions okay. here with the mic. We have a mic. So I got oh. my friend Mary. <laughs> no, no, Mary did have a question. No, in front of Mary. Right in front of Mary. She had a question. Keep your hand raised. And then we have another one over here. Yep. Hi, thank you for your talk. So from the practical standpoint, if your sales rep doesn't want to go on LinkedIn and doesn't want to become a celebrity, do you fire them, replace them with someone better, or how do you coach them? If they're good at what they do, then whatever they're, if they're doing something good, then keep doing what they're doing. But if it's not working and they're not willing to at least try something new, maybe you look and see if that's the best position for them. Um, I talked about this yesterday in a podcast interview. Um, and we don't need the sales rep to become a celebrity per se. What we just need them, again, one person, think about your, your, just go back to these basic math here. If I'm, if I'm getting my, my ideal customer, my focus accounts, and I'm connecting with those people on LinkedIn, they're not my connections, naturally. If I'm posting content, there's a high probability that those individuals that I'm focusing on are gonna see that content. And it doesn't have to be video or whatnot. Your team can help them to create simple content pieces, but posting something once a week in, in, increases their chance of visibility. So before they even make that phone call, it helps them. I'll give you what I do with our approach as well. Because we share content regularly on our team, we look at people who are engaging on those posts. So if any of you connect with me and you start, you know, you start engaging on my content, I'll look at it and see if any of those are our ICPs or any of them are focus accounts, and then I send a personal message to you. So again, pick on my friend Mary, that's not named Mary from Boston. So we connected and then she saw my post at Outbound talking about cold outreach, and then she is like, give it a big thumbs up. So then I might send her a message because she's a VP of sales, and I'll say, Mary, thanks so much. I appreciate your comment. And I'm doing this as an audio. That's going to increase the chance again of me when I send that email to her, if we haven't emailed yet, that she's going to open an email. So the goal of this is, again, we want to make sure we can be have a, pres have a presence to start engagement prior to that cold outreach. So we can, if they're coachable to do it, yes. Now, the majority of people don't post on LinkedIn because it's a professional network and they don't want to seem like an idiot. But the most content that we post on LinkedIn that's the best it's just a human ones. I'll give you a last thing. My son in the pandemic, he's four now. I got his permission, maybe not, um, but he's four. But every week when he started, when he turned one and a half, two, we started two, I think it was, we started cutting his hair. So we started this thing called Fresh Cut Fridays. So every week, um, every two weeks, and I haven't cut my hair a couple weeks, been traveling, but every two weeks we go for a haircut and we call it Fresh Cut Friday. I do my educational posts, but when I do that one, it's amazing, and I get clients and prospects, they'll say, hey, I saw, um, I, I, I saw your post. I was at a conference last week, and my son was with me and my wife two weeks ago, and, it's, and he ran up the aisle, and this dude said afterwards, he's like, I recognize your son before I recognize you. Um, so it was like that, again, the content, I'm not milking my son for that, it's just something that we do personally um, for us. The point is, sharing humanistic content helps and things that people can relate to. So it doesn't have to be like, these are the 15 points of how to do an industrialized um, mechanical process. So. No, I just want to just say to your point, I think that building it into the onboarding process is important. So I would say like optimizing LinkedIn profile is like how you onboard reps into your organization. And you can have the, the header image done, corporate guidelines, you can take a headshot, you can give them a bio, you give them all the tools they need to succeed like you would with any other, any other thing you're doing for a new sales rep. And then to your point, if they're not comfortable creating and ideating on content, then you have things that are rolled out for your sales reps to post, but you will definitely have a portion of your, of your team that is like very, yes, I wanna post my own stuff, let them go. But I wouldn't fire people over it. We have, we have a hand right here and then we'll come back over here. What conversion rate do you typically see with the connect, share, share engage? And, engage. And, and in terms of conversion rate, just getting a meeting, like, you know, foot in the door. Yeah, so what we do with our, let's, say, let's just give a simple number. If I were to do it from like 10 connection outreaches that we do, 
we see probably about 60% of those are gonna connect back with us. And then from the engagement, when we do the emails to those individuals now, we see about a 40, 50% that those reply back and help us to get uh, land an appointment. Because that email now is really, really hyper-focused. And there's a concept, I think it was, I forgot, it was, I think it was somebody at Gong, they, or maybe it was um, at Challenger, but they call it the show me you know me. And that show me you know me strategy just helps tremendously. When I look in my email inbox, my finger is on the trigger to delete, like straight up. So I'm like, show me an excuse to delete you. So when I see an email, Donald C, delete. If I see a subject line that looks dumb, delete. If I see it's an automated email, delete, like, you know, one of those things. But when I see something that catches my attention, I'm like, I cannot delete that because it's show me you know me. And um, go back to like our caveman days, right? We want to see if, um, if somebody doesn't, if we don't know someone, we got to put up our barriers because it could be like a foe that want to hurt us. So in that same idea with the inbox, when I see a name that I remember, a recognizable name or a brand, I'm, I'm not as easy to delete that. So I got past the first barrier. It's catchy enough, clam chowder guy, then I'm gonna open it. And then now the relevancy of that, I saw that you guys are hiring, um, you know, Mary, I saw that you guys are hiring some BDRs. Um, congratulations on that. Out of curiosity though, has LinkedIn been a huge factor for you guys when it comes to helping your team with outbound? Now, she's gonna more than likely respond because it's relevant to her as the VP of sales and they're trying to improve. And I might do a little bit deeper with that, but the point is my value prop is totally relevant to her and it's, she, I know her or show that I know her. So it increases. I'm not showing, we're not showing like 100 outbound activities per day, but we're showing like maybe a 40 to 50 outbound activities per day and those activities are giving way better results. And we use text message a lot too as well because um, we focus only on the direct dial. Thanks, Apollo. Um, anyways, yeah, hopefully that answers. No, you're good. <laughs> Um, do you have any resources you could share that would encourage content creation among sales reps? Content creation? Content creation for sales reps. So what I do is I look, even from my own content strategy, and it would be the exact same for a sales rep, I look at people that are doing quite well on every single platform, and those are the people that I emulate. So on LinkedIn, I'll emulate Justin Welsh because he has great content. On uh, Twitter, you can look at, I mean, Alex Ramosi kills it on most platforms, but Sahil Bloom is good on Twitter as well. Um, on Instagram, Chris Doe is really good at creating content on Instagram. So I look at people that are doing well on each platform, and then I model how they create their content, and that's really the strategy. Like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So I would find people that are creating content similar to what, your sale, what you want your sales reps to put out, and then that's the model that you follow, and unpack that and train them on that, and get them to, like, every single day, those people that I just mentioned, I go on their social and I just see what they're putting out and like that's how I learn and that's how I train myself on how to create better content. So we have a course called a LinkedIn prospecting course. We are just in Columbia last week and one of the things that we were talking about with this team, this team was very apprehensive. Like the leaders are like, I don't know man, what if we start creating, you know, helping these people create content and then all of a sudden like, uh, you, know, they're, you know, they're leaving us or whatnot. But then that doesn't happen. What I saw and John Barrows, big shout out to John Barrows if you don't know him, follow him. But one of the things John talked about, like it was gathering the team. Your BDRs are Gen Zs and they're young folks or even younger than that right now. They know what to do already. I would highly recommend that you put them in a room together and ask them and give them permission. But you gotta get some write off on this. Get them permission and say, hey, we wanna make sure we have presence on LinkedIn. Whatever your product is, say my product is a window washing services. Like what are some content you would create that will speak to the pain about a window washing service. And if you let them go, I promise you, they'll come back with more brilliant things that you, they can do. And you can make sure that it's in line with the brand and, and so forth, the brand identity, but put them together and have them have the discussion rather than from a top down. And it'll make a, such a huge difference. One more point on what you just said, which is actually very important. Um, the person you're gonna hire now is not gonna stay with your company for 30 years. No one does that anymore and that's fine. So like little leadership lesson, when you hire somebody, figure out where they want to go in their career, you create a, a contract, a, a, an agreement with them. Give me two of your best years, three of your best years, and I'm going to take you to where you want to go. It could be different role, different job, outside of the org, inside the org, it doesn't matter. You have to know how people operate and yes. to think anything else is just being naive. 
So you make a contract with them and you say three of your best years, two of your best years, I'm gonna take you to where you wanna go, you're gonna be loyal to my organization, you're gonna give me the time and you're gonna deliver and you're gonna hit the metrics, and then after that, that's fine. If you wanna renegotiate in two years, fine, that's no problem. But that's how people, that's how people view jobs. And we have to lead and hire the way that people actually wanna work. It's very important and to do otherwise, they're gonna leave and you're just gonna be like, oh no, I wasn't planning on this person leaving after two years and now I gotta find and fill a spot. Yep. I'm saying plan ahead for that. That's to your point about they create content, they become a influencer, yes. or they leave. And I wanna just, quick, quick story real quick. There was a, when I worked in software, we started a podcast. One of my buddies, he helped co-create the biggest podcasting event in the world, Podcast Movement. And he got in trouble because he was sharing content or doing stuff on, you know, on social. And our company thought we were, we were trying to leave the, um, you know, that we were trying to, you know, leave the company. We were just trying to figure out a way to be more successful. My team, they, they wouldn't allow us to do certain things. So one of my coworkers and I literally created a blog. We were in a, um, in a, a, a software in, to city county governments in K-12. And we wrote these blogs and people were finding them and we landed an appointment from our blog. The point I'm trying to get at, they were trying to suppress us so much and eventually we, we both left and now we have both thriving organizations. So if you want to take advantage of that time that they have, make it that incubator, help them to be successful. Otherwise they're gonna find an outlet, but give them that opportunity and you'll be amazed what they'll do for your brand. If that brand had given us the platform, bro, we would have been creating content for them for days and I probably would be in a golden handcuff with them. Yeah, 100%. Um, any other questions? One last question. Oh, <laughs> you got two over here. We'll stick around all day. We're here for hours. <laughs> a stage manager is giving us a side eye. I know, he's like, like, don't stick around we'll, too we'll long. Talk. <laughs> you so, have a question, right? Uh, particularly for, uh, I totally connected with the boring industry thing that you guys were talking about before, like compliance, not a super sexy industry. Uh, so <laughs> for particularly top of the funnel content, one is, is that something that we should be throwing some investment into, and two, if that's the case, you know, top of funnel, they're not necessarily thinking about your product today, so how do you produce content that they are both educated by, entertained by, they care about, but is also at least somewhat relevant to your industry? Um, so is that a possibility, or am I thinking about it wrong? Probably have to do it afterwards. Do you want to go, or do you want me to go? No, so we probably have to do oh. this one after, oh, okay, come cool. up here. So the way that I think about it, so the, the one example that I used, we're, we're both types of content we're creating are technically top of funnel because that's the first point of contact that anybody will find, basically find this brand, right? It's, it's, a, it's an accessibility company. So one pillar of content is the founder origin story, which is more of like an entrepreneurial, talking about why they're doing this. There's like an emotional point to it as well. That will be useful to build trust, but it will not be the most viral content. So simultaneous, while we're creating this founder origin story and putting that across social, we are also on social, we are remixing and we are stitching with viral content in that niche. So the viral content in that niche, we already know it's gonna get 100, 200, 300,000, a million views, and that's gonna bring people in. They're gonna hear the founder's story, they're gonna trust the brand, and they're probably at this point, they see viral content, they get it to forward-looking company, they trust the founder, the founder's face is on their social media, they're gonna send it to somebody, this is where that dark, that dark communication comes in. They're gonna send it to somebody who could benefit from this product or service, and then that's the social proof. So this is how I, I wouldn't just do the, the story content or the interview content alone. You do need some virality, but the nice thing about social is it's democratized virality if you understand how to look for it. So just you, that's where this stitching and this remixing of content that is viral can really help your brand draw those really actually even more top of funnel customers in to start to learn about your founder, learn about your origin story, learn about your company in the most boring industries as well. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Feel free to connect with Scott on what's the best place to connect uh, with you? you can, anywhere is at Scott D. Clary. All socials the same. <laughs> and at Donald C. Kelly. Appreciate you. We'll stick around to answer some questions.
I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials, but here's the best 
best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 